Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Wednesday the 17th of February 2016, entitled Getting God's Attention, and the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Seeing the people, it's hard to even, my emotions sometimes get a hold of me and overwhelm me. When I look out at the folks that I've made friends with who will be in heaven together one of these days. And uh, I'm very thankful for the privilege of being here. Um, I want to say how grateful I am for my wife being with me and uh, taking care of me. Um, it's been a rough year physically. Um, I, 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 I owe... Uh, I don't know where you put your tip jar at, uh, Steve, but I owe you a tip because you said you look great. If you only felt what I felt like, uh, you wouldn't say that. But it's been a rough year physically for me. Uh, I've gone through some valleys and some peaks. and uh, But through all of it, God's good. Amen? He's good. And uh, when things ain't good, God still is. I know ain't ain't a good English word, but it is mine. And so, but but when, when things ain't good, God still is. And uh, I just want to say how grateful I am for the folks here. Um, my, what a great job Hannah and Nathan did this, this evening. Um, Hannah, you are a beautiful young lady inside and out. And uh, I can't say the same for your brother. But um, <laughs> no, Nathan's, Nathan's, Nathan's my, my partner. He's my friend. And uh, uh, I just hope I can get through this tonight. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just good. Good to be back. And... Uh, uh, Good to see friends. Um, Carl, good to see you. And uh, my buddy Peter, uh, good to see you, man. And um, it's a special place in my heart here. And uh, I really believe God's going to do some good things this week. I prayed all the way here. Uh, my wife is here to nurse me and to take care of me. And... Uh, I really would ask that you do me a favor. Uh, I don't normally request anything, but I would ask you to pray for... I've got an issue with my hands, and uh, I don't know if you can see it from here, but uh, I've got this, uh, this some skin condition. They call it eczema, but I don't, I'm not convinced. I think it's something else. Uh, but, um, but please pray. It's better than it has been in the last week and a half, but I've, I've been battling this since about July of last year. And... Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, if it may be a thorn in the flesh. God may be uh, sending this to me to buffet me and to keep me humble. Uh, but uh, I've argued with him and told him, please take it away. But he always wins, so I stopped arguing. And, uh, but I thank God, I really do, for the privilege of being back here. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful that, uh, that Brother Dave was able to take my place at such a short notice last year. Uh, he's... If, you know, I, I can't even remember. I think it was 1992 that I met your mom and dad, Nathan, and, um, and God just changed. Yeah, you were two years old, and God changed our life through your dad's ministry. And I owe a debt of gratitude not only to him, but that man standing back there. And uh, I'm very grateful. So uh, I'm going to cry all this whole service. Uh, Isaiah chapter 66. I don't cry as much when I preach. So let me get to the preaching. Uh, I don't know what that says about my heart, but Amen. Isaiah chapter number 66, 
Some people have called Isaiah the mini Bible. It's 66 chapters. Uh, There's 66 books in the Bible. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah talk about pre-captivity and uh, up to the captivity. The last 27 uh, talk about their deliverance out of captivity, out of Babylonian captivity. And, and it's kind of like us. We've got 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. You've got 39 chapters that deal with the, the Old Covenants, and then you've got 27 that deal with the New Blessings. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the last chapter of Isaiah 66. I want to look at the first two verses. First two verses of Isaiah 66. I want you to look at it. Isaiah 66, and verse number 1 and 2. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord. Now, I believe when God speaks, we need to listen up. Amen? And I want you to listen to what God says. He says, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. And then he makes this statement. He said, Where is the house that you build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? He says, For all these things hath been, and all these things, ha- all these things in my hand made, and all these things hath been, saith the Lord, but... Now, when God injects a conjunction, you need to listen to what's going to come after it. He makes this statement. He says, but to this man, and by the way, let me interject this. It doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, boy, or girl. This is inclusive. It's speaking to every person. And he says, to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Now, can I say something, folks? There's a lot of things that God does to get my attention. (laughs) A lot of things. Number one, God has a call. Um, I know there's many men in this room, maybe many ladies who have been called into ministry, vocational ministry. By the way, whatever you do, you're called into it if you're a Christian. I don't care if you work at a local uh, Tesco, if you work at a, an industry, whatever you do, listen, you are employed by not your person that pays your paycheck, but the God of heaven is the one that employs you. You work for him. And so everybody in this room has a call. God's called you to do something. By the way, do what God called you to do. Use the gift God gave you. Because if you don't, the body of Christ is not going to be formed properly and you're going to wonder why things seem to be schismed and out of control. Because if you don't use your gift, I believe God might just harness it, close your mouth, not use it because a lot of people can sit around and talk about all other things. But if you have been called to do something for Jesus Christ, do it, but don't abuse it. Okay? So what he's saying here is, he's saying to this man, listen, God got a hold of me, Peter. One day in 1987, I got saved by the grace of God. And in 1992, I surrendered my life, ran the white flag of surrender up and said, God, I give up. I'm going to do what you want me to do. So God called me. Folks, listen to me. If this was my job, I'd have done quit. Because you know God's people are so wonderful to work with sometimes, amen? You can laugh right there. It's okay. We are God's people, and we're sheep. And sometimes sheep stink. And so what we've got to do is we've got to understand that God has a call for each person in this room. God's call got my attention. But not only God's call got my attention, but Carl, God's correction gets my attention. Let me explain something, folks. The Bible says whom the Lord loves, he chastens. 
and he scourges every son whom he receives. Can I say something? If you don't listen up to God's call, there may be some correction that comes in your life to try to get you back in line to what he wants you to do. Now, God does nothing in your life for punitive reasons. He does everything in your life to correct you. God isn't punishing you, you know. God's not doing something in your life because he's mad at you. Can I make this statement before we even go any farther this, this evening? God loves you, period. God don't love you because of what you can do. God don't love you because of your ability. You may not have much ability. That doesn't matter. God loves you just like you are. And my theme this week is a love worth finding. And I want to make a statement. I, I, I'm getting ready to try, Brother Peter, to put a billboard up uh, near our church. And I, you ever seen these billboards? They may not have them in the UK, but in the, in the States they do. And it, it makes a statement like this. Uh, do you know how much I love you? And it's got a dash that says Jesus. Like Jesus has said that. Do you know how much I love I'm going to put one up, Steve, and it's going to have these letters on it. I-Y-Q-Y-Q-R. Now, it don't mean much when you just listen to it, but if you say it fast, this is what it says. I-Y-Q-Y-Q-R. Some of y'all still looking at me like, oh, yeah. Let me say it faster again. I-Y-Q-Y-Q-R. God likes you just like you are. You know what we've gotten into? And I am, listen, I can be critical because I am a Baptist. But you know what Baptists do? We get in the performance mode. And we feel like we've got to perform in order for God to love us. Can I announce to you tonight, there is nothing that you can do to make God love you any more than He does right now. I, am, I know God's probably headed up to here with His people trying to perform to impress Him. Can I say this? In a million years, God don't need me. In a million years, God don't need me, but thank God He included me. Hearing his love, not that we, Gareth, loved God, but that he loved us first and gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Jesus Christ died in my stead. And ladies and gentlemen, the only thing that he asked me to do is to live for him, not die for him. And you know what? Anything other than that is an unreasonable service. You know that? Anything less than giving your body a living sacrifice is unreasonable. Okay? At least we got one. Charismatic running in the aisles already, amen? But here, listen, God's call gets our attention. God's correction gets our attention. I don't know about you, but I had a daddy that when I got a line, he took me somewhere and he applied the board of education to the seat of knowledge, amen? In other words, I got a spanking. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that today. God made a perfectly good place for you to correct your children. It's called the backside, Amen? But you know what God does? God corrects us when we get out of line. Why? Because He loves us and wants us to do His will, wants us to do what He called us to do. And in order for us to do that, sometimes we've got to go behind the woodshed. Amen? But then God's compassion is what gets my attention. You know what's amazing to me? I think about what God did for me and the compassion He showed toward me. It takes me all the way back to that story of the prodigal son. You know, I was there one day, Steve, and I was on a road to a far country. And I can remember being on that road to a far country and God was wooing me back and saying, Brian, come home, come home. You're out there playing games. It's time to stop playing games. Come on back home. And ladies and gentlemen, you know what? It's just like that old father who was out there plodding and plowing in the field that day. I don't know how long his son had been gone, but it had been long enough for him to waste everything he had. 
And he came to himself and he said, Self, I'm no more worthy to be called my father's son. I'll go back and I'll say, Lord, listen, Father, make me just as one of your hired servants. And he went back home and on the way back home, they didn't have any emails. They didn't have any fax machines, no IT, no way to Facebook dad and say, I'm coming home. No way to twit, tweet, whatever you want to call it. His dad, did I say it? I did. I don't understand how we do that. We, 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 we shorten words, and it, the word we shorten doesn't even go with the word it come from. It, doesn't, it don't make sense to me. I mean, and I'm speaking to English people, okay? You speak English. In America, we speak American. <laughs> we don't speak English. And some of y'all are going, I can understand what you're I know exactly what you mean by not speaking English because I don't speak very good English. But you know, I don't, what I'm saying is this, folks. When he was on the road back home, the father looked down the road and there was something that gave it away. And he said, that's my son. And it didn't say when he saw his father, he ran to him. It says when the father saw the son, he ran to him. And he put a robe on his back and shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger. And he said, this my son was lost. And now he's found it and began to be merry. You know what? I, I'm thankful for my father's compassion. Not just my earthly father, Peter, but my heavenly father. But tonight, you know what I want to talk about? I don't want to talk, I just for a few minutes I want to talk about, you know, God gets our attention, Steve. There's things that God does to get our attention. But can I explain something tonight? There's some things you can do to get God's attention. See, I want to talk to you on this subject tonight. Getting God's attention. Getting God's attention. You say, preacher, what are you, do? What are you talking about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me explain something. There are things, by the way, God is looking for people he can use. Do you know that? The God that needs nothing, that took nothing and made everything out of it, is looking for somebody to serve him. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. 30, I sought for a man out from among them that should make up the hedge, stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Can I say something tonight without equivocation? God is looking for you. Not just in salvation, but in service. You know, I think that God's got a sense of humor. You want to know why I know that? Because look at who's preaching tonight. Some of y'all laughed way too hard for that. Way too hard. Can I say something, folks? I know God's got a sense of humor. You want to know why? Because God could have chosen anything else to propagate the gospel. God could have chose a sect of angelic angels to come down from heaven and propagate the gospel and give people the good news of Jesus Christ. God could have sent back prophets and he could have sent back anybody. And you know what he did? He chose to put his treasure, the gospel, in five dollar or five pound clay pots in a vessel like me. I still am amazed. And you know, we sing the songs and sometimes we just skip over it, don't we, Nate? We just kind of flippantly sing over it. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. You know, when you sing it like that, you know what? I'm looking at people that sometimes look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Where's the stinking joy and the excitement about serving the God of creation? Amen. 
Amen? Oh, Lord my God. When I an awesome wonder, consider all the worlds your hands have made. I see the stars. Have you ever tried to sit down and count the stars at night? And by the way, if you think that's impossible, it's not. But I can tell you this, you can lose yourself in the awe and splendor of who God really is. Think about it, Peter. He named every one of those stars, but yet he still knows me by name. He knows me, not as 24108450. He don't know me by my social security number. He don't know me by a bank account number. He knows me, brother, by name. He knows my name. See, if we served a little God, Spurgeon said, he'd deserve little praise. But the Bible says, David said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen? Now, I know that we sometimes are so refined that we're not going to do double back gainers out of the balcony, you know. We're not going to spin and do cartwheels and all that, but it ought to at least put a smile on your face to know that the God that took nothing and made everything out of it knows you by name and wants to use you. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen, God could get your attention, but you know you could get His. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, For all these things that my hand made, and all these things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. I can get God's attention, Shelley. I can get God to look toward me. How? He gives the qualifications. Listen to this. He said, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. Can I explain something, folks, tonight? Number one, if you want to get God's attention, number one, you must get humble. The Bible says, to this man will I look, Peter, even to him that is poor. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. And that's not talking about poor in pocketbook. It's talking about poor in your spirit. I wonder how many people in this room understand that pride made a devil out of an angel. Do you know that there is something in, listen, in the Christian movement today that is absolutely draining the reservoir revival? And I believe it's this. It's a thing called P-R-I-D-E. Wow, God, look what I've done. What would you do without me and your work? I'm going to tell you I'm a nobody telling you about somebody that's everything. and He can change a nobody into a somebody, amen? You can go from an ain't to a saint tonight if you'll put your faith in Christ. You say, I ain't going to heaven. Well, you can be, be, a, be an ain't and become a saint if you'll say, Jesus Christ, I want you to save me. I'm not talking about religion tonight. I'm not talking about the uh, rosary beads. I'm not talking about baptism or the Lord's Supper. I'm talking about putting your faith in Jesus Christ. See, I don't ever know who I'm talking to. I was just preaching in a funeral. I didn't even know hardly anybody in that funeral of the family that was left. When I gave the invitation, good, good, good family, good crowd, I gave the invitation and eight hands came up to receive Christ as Savior. You never know who you're talking to. You may be here tonight and you know what? You've got yourself fooled because of religion. Can I say this? Neither is there salvation in any other. You say, preacher, I thought there's a lot of different ways to heaven. No, there's only one way. Jesus said, I, he didn't say I'm a way. He said, I am the way. Amen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the only way to get to heaven, and Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me, 
And that name is Jesus Christ. You know what? You don't get a lot of ridicule and a lot of heretical things said to you when you didn't mention the name of God, but you start talking about Jesus Christ, and buddy, I'm going to tell you, you'll find out who your enemies are real quick. Amen? Come on now. Tell me if I'm telling the truth. All right? But can I say this, folks? If you want to get God's attention, you have to be humble. Say, preacher, what do you mean? I was preaching in a service a couple, three, four years ago in a a pastor friend of ours had fallen into immorality. The man I'm sitting on the platform with looked at me, and after he was telling me what took place in this man's life, looked at me and said, you know what, preacher? I would never do that. I said, oh, really? I said, so you're telling me you're more holier than David was. See, there's a lot of people in this room that say, I'll never do that. You know what? You'll be the next casualty if you're not careful. You're welcome. You better be careful. Let him that saith he stand take heed lest he fall. Can I explain something? God literally said he hated some things in the Bible. You know what? He said seven things I hate. Now, by the way, when God says he hates something, it's not with the kind of hatred we think about. We're thinking with earthly hatred, which is always negative. God says I hate with a perfect hatred, and this is what I hate. The first one is a proud look. First one's a proud look. Can I explain something? We need to be a people tonight, listen to me, if we want to get God's attention, we need to be a people that says, don't look what I've done, look what God's done. Don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big God is, amen? Little as much when God is in it, and you know what, this is nothing compared to what I could be going through. I go and visit people all the time in the hospital and on their deathbed, have to do funerals. You know what? This is a light affliction, which is but for a moment, if I allow it, it'll work for me a more exceeding and eternal way to glory. Amen? So number one, if you're going to get God's attention, number one, be humble. Be humble. Number two, I've got to move on quick. I'm going to get somewhere, so you know how I am. It takes me a long time to get the airplane off the ground. It takes me a short time to land it. All right, so I've got to get it off the ground so I can land it. So here we go. Number one, if you're going to get God's attention, number one, be humble. Say it with me. Be humble. Don't say I can't. Say I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Don't sit around and say, woe is me, I'm nobody. Realize who does it through you. The Bible says Jesus is divine, you're the branches. That don't mean you produce fruit, that means you bear it. And you allow Jesus Christ to work through you. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so, young, listen, young people, mom and dad, whatever gifts and abilities you have, use it for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. But be humble. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look. But yet Micah 6.8 says this, He has shown thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do three things, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. Can I explain something, folks? We need some humility in the body of Christ today. Well, I've been a deacon for 42 years. I don't care what title you've held. You're proud because you're telling everybody you have done it, and you're looking back and going, my, what would the church of Jesus Christ do without me? You say, well, preacher, I've been saved all these years, and I used to do all this, and I used to do all that, and you, well, why don't you do anything now? I heard one guy tell me, he said, well, they don't need me no more. You know what I wanted to say? With that attitude, they probably don't. Amen? They don't need me no more. Ask, 
not what you can do for your church. Listen, what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. And by the way, I'm still a local church guy. I believe that what God's going to do in this dispensation, He's going to do through and to the local church. And so be a part. Don't listen. The church of Jesus Christ don't need no more members. It needs more workers. It's got enough members. It's bulging. I mean, some churches are just bulging, just blowing the walls out. And it looks like they're growing, Steve. But can you know what, you know what I found out? Now, I'm a country boy. And when you go and drive by a deer that's on the side of the road, the first day it's dead, it looks about the same as it was when it was hit. But by the third day, it looks like it's about this big around. You know what? It looks like it's growing, but it ain't growing. It's swelling. It's dead as a doornail. That's what a lot of churches are doing. That's what a lot of people are doing. They're swelling. They ain't growing. They're dead as a doornail. So be very careful. Be part of a thriving church. You know what? I've often said this about my church in here at Bethel. I would rather there be a, listen, a network of believers in this building if it only numbers 20 that were doing something for Jesus Christ and I have 130 people coming and have to warm bottles and change diapers. Hello? Amen? Don't need to be babysitting people. Had a, guy, had a lady one time, man. She said this. She said, preacher, she said, me and my family have been praying about leaving the church. Now, I've said this before. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I want to say it so bad. I want to say it makes two of us. I've been praying you'd leave a long time ago. <laughs> Man, all you do is complain, gripe, argue, cause division. I asked her, I said, why are you leaving the church? She said, well, we're just not getting fed the way we think we ought to. I said, how long have you been saved? She said, 30 years. I said, so you're telling me I'm going to have to spoon feed you at 30 years old. It's time for God's people. Listen, if you've been saved a measure of time, your mama didn't have to spoon feed you when you were eight years old. I hope not. If you've been saved a number of years, let me say something. You're not going to grow as much here as you do in your prayer closet and on Tuesday morning and on Wednesday afternoon at work. You know when you grow? Listen, you come here to worship. You grow out there. Have a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. The reason why people ain't growing is because they ain't feeding on the right thing. So ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. If you're going to get God's attention, number one, be humble. But number two, I want you to look at this. He said, to this man will I look, Steve, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. What does that mean? The word contrite means in our English language, we could use the word broken. But it literally comes from a Hebrew word that goes all the way back to Psalm 139 where it talks about a contrite spirit God will not despise. The word contrite means to burst open. When you put a, listen, Jesus even said it. Except the corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But, Nathan, if it dies, it brings forth what? Much fruit. So it's got to burst open for life to come out of it. Can I explain something, folks? Number one, if we're going to get God's attention. Do you want to get God's attention tonight? Say amen. If you want to, number one, you've got to be humble. But number two, you've got to be honest. Honest. You say, preacher, what do you mean? There's going to have to come a time in your life where you say, you know what, I'm going to have to stop blaming everything on my mama and on my daddy and on my upbringing 
You know how many people I've heard say, well, you know what, the reason I act out the way I do is because I came from a broken home. I came from a dysfunctional family. Can I explain something? I'm going to give you all a little hint tonight. Who hadn't come from a dysfunctional family? Raise your hand. Man, my family is so, it's as crooked as a dog's hind leg. I mean, Carl, we've all come from dysfunctional families. Look at the patriarchs in the Bible. Look at where Jacob came from. Look at what his life was. Look at Joseph. Joseph didn't look at the people in Egypt and say, woe is me, look at my family, look at my father. He said, no, look at my heavenly father. And there's not one negative thing written in scripture about Joseph, but you know what? His daddy was as crooked as anybody in the Bible. His mama was a partial idolater and his 10 brothers hated his gut so much they wanted to kill him. I don't know if I've had my friends and my family want to kill me. Don't y'all mention anything, but I'm just saying... But you know what we need? We need more than ever before in the church. We need the people. We need people in the church to be what they're presenting. Are you what you are presenting? See, I'm convinced that we sometimes treat our Christian Lord's Day on Sunday like we do Halloween. We put on a mask and we put on our little suit and we come in here and we have our little good time and we get our little fuzzy feeling and then we go back out on Monday and we act a different way than we do here on Sunday. And we're not honest. My question tonight is this, are you what you're presenting? I had a lady come to me preaching in Biloxi, Mississippi. About four years ago, she came to me and she said, pray for her husband. I didn't know what she, the deal was. She, she wouldn't mention what the thing in particular was, but she said, I want you to pray for my husband. Two years later, Steve, I went back and found out her husband had committed suicide. It was so tragic, and I wanted to pray with her, and she said, you know what, though, preacher? She said about 18 months after he committed suicide, I think I figured out why he did that. I said, what was it? She said, there was a, there was a closet in our house that he kept locked all the time. And he said, you cannot get the kids in there. There's a lot of family things in there. There's a lot of business uh, dealings in there. A lot of paperwork for tax purposes that the kids don't need to put their hands on. So stay out of that closet. It was a locked closet. She found the key to it 18 months after he committed suicide. And she said, when I walked into that closet and I unlocked the door and went in, she said, I think I know why my husband committed suicide. Said when he walked in, Nathan, that there was... From the floor all the way to the ceiling on three walls except where the door was at, there was nothing but pornographic literature and videos and DVDs. And you know what? He was living a lie the whole time. He knew what he was? He was not just the pianist in the church. He had been a former deacon. He had been a, kid, a guy that picked up school kids and brought them to church. And here was a man who was living a lie the whole time. My question tonight is this. If you want to get God's attention, number one, you've got to be honest. But number two, you've got to be humble. Be humble and be honest. You know what it's time for us to do? It's time for us to say, stop saying, okay, you know what I'm okay compared to? Well, I'm going to be good if they getting in. I know I'm in. Nobody's comparing you to them except you. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that they that compare themselves with themselves are unwise. You know what, Steve? As great a street preacher as you are, and as much as I commend you, you know what? You're not to compare your life to mine, and I'm not comparing my life to yours. You know what we're to do? We're to look at Jesus Christ and say, I want to be much like him. I want to be like him. I don't, I don't want nobody to be like me. By the way, if you really knew me, look at me right now. Look, everybody look at the whites of my eyes so that I'm looking at your red ones, okay? Some of y'all ain't had some sleep, all right? 
Here's what we say a lot of times. If you really knew me, you couldn't love me. Let's be honest. Can we get honest tonight? Amen. Here's what we do a lot of times. Listen, if you really knew me, you couldn't love me. And you know what we do, Peter? We start to attribute that characteristic to God. If God really knows me like he don't, then he really can't love me. You know what the problem is? We as Baptists have been sold a bill of lies from the devil and from the enemy and from our flesh and some heretical preachers that preach this. You've got to, listen, you can't love yourself. You know what the Bible says? Jesus made this statement, the best commandment in all. If you want to hang every bill of law and the prophets on one thing, he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as, help me out now, what did it say? Well, preacher, I'm a humble I'm a humble Christian, and I'm I'm just telling you, I, there's I don't love me. You know what? You're a liar. Because number one, you've got 37 mirrors in your house. You can't walk by one except you look at yourself. You love you. You love you some you. Stop lying and get honest. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because the Bible says, "Love your neighbors, you love yourself." Do you really love your? Neighbor, you say, you know, do, don't be like the Pharisees and say, well, who is my neighbor? You know who your neighbor is. It's a person you drive by on the street that the Holy Spirit of God's pricked your heart and said, stop and help them. And you drive by and say, I ain't doing that. They might stab me. You know what we do? We what if ourselves to death. We what if everything. What if, what if. 95% of the stuff you worry about and are fearful of is never going to happen in your life. Amen. And the thing that concerns me, folks, tonight is we've got a group of people that's sitting here as fine a group as you are, as much as I love you and as much as God loves you and it says, God bless you for your faithfulness. Can I say something tonight? I'm talking to some people tonight and it's been a long time since you've been humble enough to get before God and say, God, I can't, but thank God you can. There's been, listen, there's somebody sitting in this room tonight and you had not been honest. And can I say this tonight? Some of you in this room need to hear this. You'll never heal what you can't feel. Some of y'all got so numb to your feelings, you've cut it all the way out. You've been abused as a child. You've been physically molested. You have gotten bitterness in your heart, and you have cut yourself off from any emotion. And the Bible, I believe, it says this in principle, you can't heal what you can't feel. It's time to let go. And I ain't trying to quote Elsa or whatever name I was on Frozen, but I'm just telling you, let it go. Amen? Let it go. Let it go. Number one. Be humble. If you want to get God's attention, can you imagine the God of the universe who is listening to every prayer, Nathan, as we simultaneously pray, gets the ear. You can get the ear of God by doing this, by being humble, by being honest. But number three, and I'm done. I know you don't believe that, but I am. Number three is by being hungry. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I want you to look at the last part of verse 2. Last part of verse 2 says, To this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't know the last time that I've ever seen anybody tremble in awe when the word of God was open and preached. I don't think I've ever seen it. But yet, you know what God says? If you want to get my attention... You'll be somebody that's humble. You'll be somebody that's honest. And number three, you'll be somebody that's hungry. 
How hungry are you? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Psalm 42 verse 1, As the heart or deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts after God, the living God. Psalm 63 verse 1, he says, O God, my God, you are my God. Early will I seek thee. Jeremiah 29 13, he says, You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. What about it tonight? How hungry and desperate are you? You know what? I am going to quote Vance Havner, an old preacher that we used to really look up to. He's in heaven right now, but Vance Havner made this statement. He says, we live in a day where the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. When are we going to get desperate and hungry and, and fervent enough to get a hold of the horns of the altar and say, God, I ain't letting go till you bless me? What about it? Tonight, you've got to make a decision. I want you to turn very quickly. I know I said I was done. I, I done lied two times. I won't lie again. Look, Psalm, Psalm 137. I want you to look at something. Psalm 137. Turn over just a few pages to Psalm 137. I want to show you something. Some of y'all in this room are on the verge of about quitting. You, you may be here. You may be here in body. You may be here in spirit, but you are about to quit because you're just so discouraged, so in the valley. Can I explain something to you tonight? The people of God have always been like that. It's always going to be like that. This is not our home. We weren't made to live here forever. We were made to be with Him. In Psalm 137, I want you to look at it. Psalm 137. I want you to listen to this, guys. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Hey, they were in Babylonian captivity, man. They were, they were not free people. They were in bondage. I want you to look at what he says next. He said, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. I started thinking about that thing, and I meant, what, what in the world is he talking about? You know, I know David was kind of out there. When, it, when we think about it, man, he was way, he, he was over our head, if you will. But he said, we hung our harps in the midst of the willows thereof. Well, you know what David used to, to make music, to sing praises to God? One of them was a harp. And you know what he said, Nathan? He said, I've about had all I can take. God's people have had all they can take. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm just going to stop praising God and I'm just going to hang my harp up. How many people are there like that tonight? I'm, listen, it's not getting any easier in the world to do what we do. And you say, do what we do, what do we do? Well, we just try to live like Jesus would live. By the way, you know these WWJD braces you see? I mean, I know they're old. But you know what it says? What would Jesus do? Can I tell you what would Jesus would do? He'd do right. And he'd show mercy. And he'd walk humbly. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But can I say this? He was the greatest captain in all of the universe, but he didn't take out his sword. He's the greatest shepherd, but he didn't take up his staff. He was the greatest king, but he didn't hold up his scepter. You know what he did? He who was so high knelt so low and took up his robe of glory, laid it down and came down, and one night before he was crucified, washed the dirty, nasty feet of those who would deny him, doubt him, and even deceive others and doubt. Can I say this tonight, folks? We need to be a people that's hungry again for the blessing of God. David, listen, listen to what he said. He said, there we wept when we remembered Zion. And he said, we hung our harps in the willows in the midst thereof. Look at verse 3. For there, they carried, for there they that carried us away required of us a song. 
required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mercy, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Almost like tongue-in-cheek, Tenneca. They were kind of just saying, if, you, if you're really the, God's people, sing us one of them songs. We want to hear you sing one of them songs. You're here as slaves, and your God's that big, and he'd let you stay here in slavery. And look at what he says. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Can I ask you a question? We're living in a pretty strange land these days, ain't we? We got a presidential election coming up in the United States. It's a strange time. And I don't have to go much farther than that if y'all watch the news. Some strange things are going on politically. Not only there, there, but here too, I'm sure. We're living in a strange land, a time where it's not politically correct to sing the songs of Zion, to, to praise the Lord and stand in the line at Tesco or Costco and say, glory to God. Somebody will say, you need to get this man some medication. Something's wrong with him. Amen. I know y'all understand me in Romanian, right? Amen. Y'all can understand? Oh, good. <laughs> Tibby's my interrupter tonight, not my interpreter. He's interrupting. No, I'm just playing. Amen. <laughs> Stop laughing. Anyway, look at, verse five. look at verse five. I love this. He says, if I forget the old Jerusalem, let my... Can you imagine? You know, Nathan just showed me pictures of him being in Jerusalem. Here's David saying, city, listen to me. You're the, the, the apple of God's eye. He says, but if I forget thee, O Jerusalem. He says, let my right hand forget her cunning. And then he says, if I do not remember thee, let my tongue clave to the roof of my mouth. You know what he's saying, Nathan? He said, if I forget how good you've been to me, just shut my mouth and don't let me praise you. Can I say something, folks, tonight? I know times have been tough. They have for me. But I don't want you to hang your harp in the willow. Don't quit. Don't stop. Listen, you know what God said? He said, listen, get hungry because I require of your song. You know when the best time to praise God is? When you don't feel like it. The best time to praise God. Well, preacher, I just don't feel like reading the Bible. That's probably when you need to read it. I love these people say, well, I'm just so far away from God that if I just can't read it right now. I'll read it when I get close. Come on, man, give me a, you've been smoking something. You need to, you need to realize, yeah, I, I mean that thing. You need to realize the most desperate time of your life is when you need the words of our Heavenly Father. He said, I require of you a song. Hey, listen, Steve, I know nobody hardly listens when you go out there and play. This Saturday, man, they walk by and they'll listen to them people down there that's so gifted and they've got the all the sound system. But you know what? That's when we need to sing. God requires of us that song of praise. Amen? David said, what time I am afraid. I will trust in thee. Can I say this tonight? There's some people in here, you know what? You're fearful. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but can I tell you this? I know who holds tomorrow. And he's still in control. But you know what he says? Not only there's a requirement, but there's a remembrance. He said, Lord, help me to remember how good you've been to me. Can I ask you tonight, do you want to get God's attention? If you want to get God's attention, number one, you're going to have to be humble. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes it shall have mercy. Listen to me. Tonight you may be 
hiding something and covering something up, and God wants you to be honest tonight. Let it go. Just give it to God. So number one, be humble. Number two, be honest. But number three, be hungry. Be desperate for that relationship that you once had to be rekindled. I want to finish with this. You can close your Bibles. I've got a friend of mine who, hard to believe that I turned out to be a preacher and he turned out to be a deputy sheriff. He's in the, he's in the police force now. But we used to get into a lot of trouble, Carl, together at 12 years old. Amen. I can remember, Peter, we were, uh, me and my dad were going to a football game one night, and he lived just down the road from me, and his sister uh, had, had just had a child. And um, I was um, in the truck with my father, and it had rained quite a bit that afternoon and uh, the day before, and so the rivers were rising. All the water was running down the hills and running into the creeks, and they were rising. And um, we, were, we were coming uh, over, the, over a, a crest of a hill and going down to go across a bridge over Third Creek where I live. When we crossed the Third Creek Bridge, we saw my friend Kenny, the man today who is a sheriff, standing on the left side of the road, and he was waving at us. And I was like, hey, Dad, there's Kenny. I wonder if he's fishing or something. And my dad said, no, it's, the, the water's too, rushing too, too fast for him to be fishing. I don't know what he's doing. So we waved, and we drove on by. I, no sooner had we got by him that a rock about this big come barreling up in the back of the tailgate of the truck and hit the back of the, t the, the truck. And we were like, what in the world is Kenny doing throwing a rock at us? He knows who we are. My dad did not get mad. My dad just put the brakes on, come to a screeching halt, put it in reverse, backed up, looked at Kenny, and Kenny had this look of fear on his face, and all he could do was point. We looked, and the guardrail that was on the side of the, the, the bridge had been busted, and we looked over, and there was a car that was sticking in the water with nothing but the back end out of, out of the water, and there was a woman who was holding a baby out the window. The water was rising. It was his sister. My dad was my hero, man. He took his clothes off down to nothing but his jeans. He jumped in that rushing water, saved that woman and her baby. And when we got out, my dad looked at Kenny and he made this statement. He wiped the water off his face. He said, Kenny, why'd you throw a rock at my truck? <laughs> Kenny looked at him with tears in his eyes and he said, you know what? He said, I waved and I was trying to flag you down. He said, I, I was waiting for somebody to come by to help me. I didn't know what to do. And he said, I was flagging you down. And he said, the only thing I could do when you drove by and you wouldn't stop was to pick up what I could find. And the only thing I could find was a rock and I had to throw it at you to get your attention. Can I explain something tonight, folks? I know we can get God's attention, but I can tell you this. God sometimes will do what he has to do to get ours. And he might even have to throw a rock at you. You say, really, preacher? Yeah, he'll throw a rock at you in the form of a, of a disease of something that's going on with your body. He could throw a rock at you in the form of the death of a child. Whatever it is, God is trying to get your attention. You know what? I, I tell this story, and I've told it here before, but you know what? My son, my son when he was six months old, and I don't know if you even remember this because you were a little bitty boy, Nathan, but we were in Tullahoma, Tennessee. We were in Sevierville, Tennessee with your dad and your mom. And my son had asthma and we didn't even know it. And he about died in a, a hospital in Tullahoma, Tennessee. And there we sat and my little boy at six months of age in an asthma tent. And I'm looking at 3 a.m. in the morning and God had been dealing with me. And I, it was almost like God didn't speak audibly, but it couldn't have been any louder if he did. But God said this to me. He said, Steve, he said to me, Brian, am I going to have to touch that which you love the most to get your attention? I said, no, it ain't going to take that, Lord. I said, I got the message. And I surrendered. 
But can I say this tonight, folks? I'm glad I did because you know what I believe God did? God allowed me 16 and a half more years of my son because of my obedience to what he was trying to get my attention about. Tonight, I want to ask you a question. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed, but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Can I ask you a question tonight? Is all on the altar? Or are you holding back something? To this man, God said, well, I look, Carl, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. Are you humble? Are you honest? But are you hungry? How hungry are you to be pleasing to Almighty God, to get his attention? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Tonight we're going to have an invitation hymn. And listen, I want to ask this question tonight. No, judgment day honest. You're in this room. Not a shadow of a doubt in your mind. You'd say, preacher, if I took my last breath tonight, I know I'd be in heaven. Not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. I have trusted Christ. And I can raise my hand right now. Right now, I know I'm born again on my way to heaven. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. You're in this building and you'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure if I died today, I would go to heaven, but I want to go. And I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody here willing to allow me to pray for you? And would just slip your hand up right now with nobody looking around and say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I took my last breath that I'd be in heaven, but I want to go and I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Anybody? Once you put it up, you can put it down. Anybody? I want to pray for you. There was one hand that was raised. I will be praying for you. Father, tonight we want to. We want to get your attention. And Lord, the way we do that is Isaiah told us through the inspiration of the Word of God that you said, this man will I look toward, even to him that is poor, humble, and of a contrite spirit, honest, and trembles at my word, you're hungry. Tonight, I want to ask you a question. Do you want to get God's attention? We're going to sing an invitation here in a minute. If you need to come, whatever desire, whatever decision you want to make, do it tonight. Don't delay. Do it now. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here. Blessing this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.